to have a community that is um, practicing and practicing well with their internal sangha. You know, it, uh, it brings a sense of confidence and stability internally uh, that lends to healthy and very, very beneficial for others um, sense of groundedness and and uh, a habit of um, compassion, a habit of kindness. We practice this internally, and it naturally arises with in our community, especially uh, with like-minded people. In the community, it just naturally arises because we're always we're strengthening our mind to um, think in this way. What can I do to take care? of the sick. How can I give space to the weak? So when we when we're practicing in line with reality, like if I cut my finger and it hurts and I go out to uh, turn to my husband and try to mend something that's hurting me, my cut, my wound, but I'm handing him a, uh, you know, the medicine for his finger and trying to give him a band-aid, it doesn't do any good. You know, but when I attend to my own wounds and heal, my wounds begin to heal, then when I see somebody else cut themselves, I know what that feels like. I know that this hurts. I know they're hurting. And a natural sense of compassion arises. So this is one of the beauties of being involved in a community where people are really practicing to understand what hurts. Why am I hurting? And how can I apply balm? on this. And as we learn this, the skill, and then we can apply balm for others. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful strength that as we learn and understand our own suffering and how to uh, heal it, what medicine, what band-aid to put on it right now will actually help. This as we learn this, then we have that information available, and when a sense of empathy arises as we see a a loved one or a friend also hurting themselves, you know, what can I do? Well, if you go to the medicine cabinet, you'll find some band aids in there, you can at least stop the bleed. Okay, I'll go do that. Aligning ourselves with it, with reality. Um, it means that it's a protection. It's a protection for ourselves and for others. I, I remember many, many years ago, 20, 20, about 20 years ago maybe, 
Um, first time Alistair and I went to Africa, we went, well actually it was the second time we went to Africa together, we went with his parents. Uh, Alistair was born in Africa, and uh, in Malawi, and his parents were both scientists. Another botanist and his dad with uh, fisheries. And they were sent by the government to go work in Malawi. And uh, so they, and then Alistair returned with family when he was six, and so they go, they would go back every several years. And uh, we, the four of us went together one year. And I was so struck by the beauty of the uh, of the nature. It was so different than anything I that I was used to in my own environment. <coughs> I wasn't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> and uh, I remember walking up on a porch of a place that we were going to be staying and and the dining area where we first sat to have some tea overlooked, I don't remember what river it was, this expanse of a river. And the sun was glistening like little diamonds on the river. And that first caught my eye. It was just so incredibly beautiful. And then I noticed some birds that I could not identify even today were flying. Very, very colorful birds were flying. And in the water were hippos and alligators. Giraffes were drinking at the edge. Elephants were meandering. And I was just, I was awestruck by the beauty and the quietness, with the exception of, of the natural noises. I, I sat there and loved the conversation and, and uh, just in awe, really soaking it up. And we went to our our rooms, and we were instructed. Uh, they were just little huts, and we were instructed that not to go out at night because the hippos come out. And if you get, and if it's nighttime and you don't see the hippo, like even to cross um, this little expanse of meadow. So our our little cabin was here, and his parents' cabin was over there. So during the day, yes, we can we could walk from one cabin to the other, but at night, no. Do not go outside. It's too dangerous. And people are trampled by buffalo and hippo quite often in Africa. Uh, so knowing this, I decided to, uh, during the day, I decided to take advantage of just going off to, there's this little there's expanse of a meadow, and then there's this bit of a cliff. And it just went down to the river that was absolutely stunning. And it just went down about maybe 15 feet. So I sat down on the table with my feet over the side, and I'm just gazing and enjoying and in complete bliss. And Alistair's mother comes walking up to me, and she goes, hmm. Mary, I think you should look down. <laughs> and I looked down, and I was smiling at her, and, I, and I'm thinking, oh, cool the butterflies that I didn't notice, or what could it be? 
It was about an 18-foot alligator that was slowly inching its way up the cliff directly toward me. And it was it was dirt, dirt and rocks, and I it really was camouflage, unless you looked, paid attention. <laughs> I just slowly backed up, thanked her, <laughs> and then <clears throat> listened to her as she explained to me the uh, wisdoms and the um, you know the death-defying oblivion attitudes that one can take. But and this is this is what we can do. We can get so distracted with the um, search for bliss, with the search for happiness. We can get distracted from reality that we put ourselves in danger. And we can put other people in danger as well. Um, so, paying attention to the beauty of aligning ourselves with reality, this is where freedom from suffering lies. But it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of scope, internal scope, to stay present with reality. What's our reality? What's arising for me right now? What I really want is bliss. What's arising is dissatisfaction with government. Dissatisfaction with my neighbor. Dissatisfaction with uh, my teenagers. Whatever, whatever comes up. And when we try to, uh, when we ignore that this pain is arising, this aversion and the pain of aversion, when we ignore the truth, the reality that it's painful because we're mishandling the conditions that we're causing this aversion. We're bringing this up. We're clinging to uh, the natural arising of an unwholesome habit and thinking that this is the truth. That's us reaching for the band-aid that we've cut our finger and we reach for a band-aid and we hand it to somebody else. Here, you take this. I hurt. Here, you take this band-aid and heal yourself so I don't have to hurt. And it takes a lot to, uh, a lot of scope to be able to stay with the truth of our own pain and discover how to set down what we're saying to ourselves is painful. To include our unwholesome habits so that we can see them. It's no different than aligning ourselves with the reality that as I reach for um bliss outside of reality and just like, oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I'm following that feeling, it's beautiful, look at the sky, 
don't pay attention to the reality of the conditions that are slowly creeping toward me, <laughs> you know, I'm going to suffer. Uh, and I'm going to be surprised, and I'm not going to understand. It's going to happen really fast. I'm not going to understand where did that alligator come from, or crocodile. I'm not sure what it is. What is it in Africa? Alligators or crocodiles? I think it's crocodiles, actually. They're bigger. They huge mouths. Really wide. But the, the lovely simile that's just popping into my mind, Ajahn Chah, gives about, you know, uh, meditation is like practicing loving kindness meditation. It's like sitting by a, a, still, a still pool, going to the forest and going to a pool and just sitting there and watching the animals come. And, uh, you know, you see the deer and you see the pretty birds and, and the little fox, the fuzzy little bunnies. And, but every once in a while, you know, big gnarly grizzly bear might come or uh, <coughs> kind of animals might frighten us, but they all come to drink. And this is nature. And we can uh, be frightened of what comes. We can be averse to what comes. We can think that those animals I don't like shouldn't drink from this water because I don't like them. We can try to fence them off. We can kill them, try to kill them. We won't be able to destroy them all. We can try to encourage the fuzzy little bunnies and the cute little bears, you know. But we're not aligning ourselves with nature. It all comes. It's all included. Just like that which is arises in our own mind. And we do suffer. We're human. We do. We do have unwholesome thoughts that arise. We're human. Learning to uh, you know, really practice, really place attention or intention, excuse me, <clears throat> placing our intention on, on practicing, expanding our ability to sit with reality. What has arisen? Sit with my habit of reaching for the beautiful. Uh, should, let me put it this way, for what delights me. You know, and just uh, watch, watch, watch myself step off, of step out of reality for the sake of trying to get more pleasure. Watch, where does that first rise? It's one of the reasons, and this is new for me, since my retreat, recent retreat with uh, Lone Propasano and the monastics and Debbie at uh, their annual uh, retreat that just happened a couple of months ago. And it was right on the hills of Ajahn Jeff's teaching, so the combination was really uh, beneficial for me. And practicing, I get a lot of delight these days uh, in practicing staying very present with the mundane. So I get, I get I'm delighted to find um, 
activities that aren't necessarily going to arise a sense of delight because it's a it's a trap for me. I I I, I love I, I love beautiful things. I enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I can step out of reality and try to extend uh, that feeling, uh, and I can put a lot of energy into extending that feeling. <laughs> And step out of reality of what's present with me right now because I'm averse to the way somebody's just spoken to me or dismissed me or whatever. Step out of reality because it's painful and I don't want to I don't want to investigate what am I saying to myself that's making this painful? So I, I really enjoy these mundane activities right now um, for me it's sewing. So I've decided to sew a set of Alistair and I are both going to be traveling back to Scotland soon and so I'm, I'm making a whole bunch of what do you call those packing what do you call those things little packing cubes there's a name for it maybe that's it I'll call them packing cubes <laughs> anyway <clears throat> I bought, I bought a lot of patterns over the last couple of years, and uh, this one came in a bundle of patterns that I had bought. And it's one of those patterns that I just was never interested in. I thought it was so boring. Packing cubes. They're just they're nothing special about them. They're not beautiful. Uh, they're just, they're, they're not going to be fun. So I've never, so I thought, oh, these, these actually would be useful. I'm going, to, I'm going to sew these and I'm going to watch, you know, this sense of when aversion arises because I'm getting bored, because they're not pretty enough. There's nothing that I'm going to bring to the center and drag, Chris, drag myself over to Christmas and say, look at the new thing I just saw. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? Oh, that's so pretty. Thank <laughs> 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 And then I do it again a month later. Oh, I got it in another day. <laughs> you should sell those. I know, but I don't want to. <laughs> I just like doing it. <laughs> so I'm doing these really unexciting packing cubes. And while I'm doing this, it's such a fantastic exercise in I can watch where my money, when my mind steps out of reality. Uh, one of the most common thoughts that comes up is, this is boring. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, this is boring. This is what I'm telling myself. And that's why I started to feel a sense of irritation. Oh, hurry up and get this done so I can get on to something that I can show off and get all these compliments about. Oh, that's it. I want to do that. I see you, Mara. Okay. I'm just going to do the packing cube, and so it brings me back to the present. It's really something to uh, recognize when we take on staying focused in these mundane um, activities is the, the, the beauty of being in the present. There's a beauty in recognizing I'm not suffering in this moment. I'm not suffering. I'm not reaching for delight. I'm not averse 
to being bored. I, well, actually, I'm not even bored. Because I'm really... And a little bit of joy arises. I've met suffering. I don't have to constantly look for some, something to make me happy. And I can actually turn my mind, my attention away from that, those thoughts that say I'm averse. I don't like this, I want something else. Oh, great, there's that unwholesome thought. Ah, oh, there's, put the medicine on it, turn my attention to the activity of sewing. In this present moment, there's no suffering in the sewing itself. The, the bag isn't suffering, my sewing machine's not suffering, you know, my feet aren't suffering, my hair's not suffering, my elbows are fine. Where's the suffering? It's all in my head and my heart. Okay, turn my head and feel what happens to the heart. It opens up, it opens its, it doesn't have arms, but I was going to say it opens its arms. It includes the reality of their suffering because I'm saying, I don't want this. That's all it is. Okay, stop saying that. And it was pretty beautiful to recognize, and, and for, for myself I'm finding being able to recognize when I'm not suffering, I can do this most often within a mundane activity. Because my mind likes to grab onto the extremes. And that's not might be true for everybody. Uh, but this is, this is what's true for me. So, um, I wanted to encourage everyone to not dangle your feet over edges of cliffs in Africa <laughs> without looking all about you and knowing what is arising. And to take on, you know, just for uh, a day, consciously take on a mundane activity for whatever, five minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, and watch your mind and be aware of what arises in your heart as your mind steps off of reality, steps away from the present moment. There's really no suffering in this present moment. There's no, there may be pain, uh, there may be grief, but we don't have to be averse to it. Oh, I'm averse to it. Okay, what am I saying to myself? I don't want this. Okay, but this is here. So, including what is here. Loving kindness. Includes. It's the point of inclusion. And we can practice the muscle of loving kindness by being present, consciously present, aware in the present moment of reality. What's happening right now? And with wise discernment, choosing to stay aligned with the truth. 
what's happening right now? What am I saying to myself? We can only really see it in the present. 